0: Setting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Monday, you're tuned to Axom, that means it's the Monday Club, it's half twelve, and joining me as ever on the Monday Club is Russell Boyce. How are you Russell?
3: I'm good mate, I'm good, I enjoyed the football last night, it was uh, an entertaining match and you know the best team won, pity. Get that,
2: get that smile <laughs> off your face. Ooh, <laughs> uh, Amy, how are you? Are you well?
1: I'm good, Tony. Yeah, like Russell says, it's been a good, it's been a good weekend for the good guys. Argentina and Italy, it's um, it's absolutely fantastic. It was a great day yesterday, a great day.
2: And like yourself, Amy, I think you won some money betting Italy at the start of the tournament, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I'm a bit gutted. I've seen a few guys on Twitter have it at 11s, um, and I thought well, that's decent. So they obviously got in a wee bit before me, but it's fantastic. They have. Um, I, I just I kind of, I think. You know they went through that rough spot uh, patch, remember? The, and they weren't qualifying for tournaments, and that was a massive shock. not um, Qualifying for the World Cup, but um, there's just the Mancini effect. It's absolutely amazing, um, and he's just the classiest guy in the world. And um, yeah, it was it was a great night last night, and I think everybody would be, um, or ninety percent of, of people here would be absolutely buzzing with the result last night.
2: An 81 winner I mean, is better than an 81 loser. Isn't
1: exactly. It? <laughs>
2: no, so there you go. But first things first, I wanted to, a wee bit poignant and a sad start to the broadcast today because we lost a member of the Celtic family, Charlie Gallagher. Now, he is before all of our times, midfielder Charlie Gallagher, but he's widely remembered for being part of the Lisbon Lions squad. He played 171 games for Celtic, scored 32 goals in 12 years. And two things stand out in his career. He was a man that plonked the ball on the head of Billy McNeil to score the winner in the 1965 Scottish Cup final against Motherwell. The rest is history, as they say. And he also plonked the head the ball onto the head of Billy McNeil against Vojvodina in '67 in the quarter final mm-hmm. European Cup final with 10 seconds to go at Celtic Park. It's important to remember players like Charlie Gallagher because he was uh, a man of the people and fondly remembered by the Celtic support, and a big Celtic supporter. And he was also the first Scottish-born player to represent the Republic of Ireland. He gained two caps for the Republic of Ireland. Mother and father, I think, hailed from Donegal. So, as always, the thoughts and prayers are with the Gallagher family. My and Amy, I think you'd echo those sentiments there, eh?
3: Absolutely, mate. I think, you know, it's important that when... Players that have played for Celtic for a considerable period of time being a huge part of our history, whether the most famous name or not, doesn't matter. Because then when you look back reflectively at those sort of the numbers, you look at the contributions in games that maybe go slightly more under the radar because there was greater highlights. Once you do that, we sort of look back, you go, do you know what? Cheers, Charlie, mate. You know, it was amazing to have had John bolt for that long. And yeah, best wishes to his family, 100%.
2: Paul John Diggs posted a photo of the two of them up on social media yesterday. Yep. And it looked a cracking picture, and he looked just a happy, happy man, didn't
1: he? Absolutely. Um, and that's the only, you know, you can take a bit of comfort out of that. It's lovely to see everyone's, you know, connections with them. I think Declan's the same. He's, um, He's got great stories with the man, but it's 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 a sad time. But as Russell says, it's a time to obviously to reflect, and it, it may not be the most well known name when you think of the Lisbon Lions. Maybe not many people automatically go to him, but it's an important part that he played.
2: He won everything in, in the Scottish game, and he got a European Cup medal for being part of that squad. That squad made history, and you know, and that's a a band of brothers, and he was part of that. Is it? And I always say this, and. These circumstances, the quote that resonates with me is <clears throat> they never die, who live in the hearts they leave behind. I think any Celtic player who has adorned the hoops and has won the hearts and minds of the fans, they, they deserve that accolade. And Charlie certainly one of those. Yeah.
3: Can we game over that 20 minutes?
2: Sure. Right, we'll move on to the rip roaring, free scoring, never boring. And it's never boring these days with Celtic. Uh, they had a wee pre-season game at the weekend there against Charlton. Another win, they triumphed 2-1. Two pre-season friendlies, two wins. Never read too much into results, so I always, It's always about attitude of certain players for me. But one thing I did notice with Ange, he seems to be keeping faith in one, Vasilis Barkas and two, Albina Jetty. Now a jetty scored again two and two, seems to have his eye in, seems to have put in a shift in both of those games for the forty-fives that he played. And uh Barkas was playing a bit of the sweeper keeper on Saturday and mm-hmm. made a cut that it was too early for him to start the showboating and the manual neuer antics. You know, he should, mm-hmm. he should just stick to the basics of keeping the ball out the net. But uh he seemed that that to me is an attitude of confidence, and maybe he has been told by Ange that you're the man. I'm going to persevere. Let's see what you got.
3: Absolutely. I think, you know, these guys came in with decent pedigrees. More than decent pedigrees. Both internationals. Uh, one's played in the EPL. the other one played in the Champions League. Um, I, I find it fascinating, you know, how quickly I felt that they were withdrawn from the side when they were actually doing well. But you only took a Yeti start, you know, at Celtic Green, Celtic Green, it looked like he was going to be the goal machine that we were looking for. It just looked like all he wants to do is score goals. Being the six yard box and his finishing looks sharp, albeit he was still gaining match fitness, which became a Lennon term that was used so often, even by October, that I was, you know, we actually, the first ever time I went on Axon, we had to chat about what does match fit even mean? Because how do you get them match fit if you refuse to play them? And how are so many players still not? Fit enough to even feature you know. Are getting withdrawn from the team I think Griffiths was probably getting spoke about at that time but we'll leave that for today I think with aJ he has a second chance I think he should be more than capable of scoring a lot of goals in Scottish football I think the opposition we've played in pre-season is going to mirror to be fair some of the other SPL teams that we've come up against he's obviously you know more than capable at that sort of level I liked an interview he did after the first game. I know he was captain in the first uh, pre-season one as well. Um, He came over very, very well, Tony. The way he was talking, you know, it doesn't get bigger than to play for Celtic. Or words to that effect, he said, you know. Um, I just wonder if, you know, he's given himself a boot up the backside and has decided, you know, let's make a fist of this. Because I certainly think he's got the ability. And who did really shine last season? I think you were referring to it yesterday as a car crash. Who did shine under that management last season? You know, Edward's numbers look good in terms of goals, but he's had his worst season, undoubtedly, in a Celtic shirt. And you think the ability he's got, even he was affected by what was going on above him or what the atmosphere was. And I just feel that as yet right now, if we can wipe the slate clean, don't judge, we could have a player on our hands here that we really, really need going forward, particularly in that upfront position. And like you've touched on, you know, with the squad right now, and just got to put confidence in these guys because he's not bringing any first teamers in. <laughs> you can You've not got a choice to try and boost these guys' confidence when we're now sitting. I don't know what. I know what the days is. Is it eight, eight. days? Eight. No first team players, but I know we'll get to that. But he's got no choice but to try and make feel, uh, make Ajeti and Barkas feel like they're going to be number one choice. He's going this season and get their confidence up because it was destroyed last year. Um, and what was a car crash and I agree with you on that season but we need to I still think they've got obviously a bit of skill for me I thought Barkas was the one that was going to be written off I expect him to be gone by now the fact he's still there again is either because we're not getting business done quickly enough or the managers came in too late to assess him properly so he's going to get another go whatever it is we've now got to back him and I thought he made a good save yesterday as well and he tipped that one over the over the bar I thought it was Quick reaction, near post, strong hand. That's two saves in two games, which is something we didn't see last year either.
2: Now, Amy, you'll notice I have nail gunned my knees to the chair here. <laughs> last week. Last week a lot of people said I was kind jumping around like something out of only an excuse or chewing the fact that must make me only a fat excuse for a presenter. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think it was more of kind of Bill Shankly' natural enthusiasm yeah but you can't please everybody now speaking of pleasing everybody Barkas and Jetty have they pleased you with their attitude certainly in these two games that you've, in the action that you've seen so far again you don't read too much into it but you want to see some things from certain players and those two have come to the fore a wee bit
1: yeah, absolutely. I think Ayete definitely has. You know, I've been really impressed by just... I think he's, for starters, I think he's looking a lot leaner. He's looking a lot sharper. Um, and as Russell said, who knows maybe what match fitness is? But I think he certainly looks a little bit closer to that than perhaps he did six, seven months ago. Um, I think he also just looks a bit more eager. Um, I don't know if maybe he's kind of maybe thrived being the older head amongst the younger guys. I think he's maybe liked that little bit of pressure perhaps, which again, I'm more than happy to see that he's happy to take that responsibility on. But he seemed to be, it's not like he's went on a huff that the young guys maybe aren't, you know, you know how some of them can get and they um, they get a bit frustrated with it when the younger guys come in. But I think he's really took them on and really, you know, encouraged them. And I think that's good to see. And then at the other end of Barkas, I think more than anything, he's just... Got that little bit of confidence from from his coach, from his manager. I am. Um, I think Ange Postacoglu maybe has been told like you've got to work with what you've got right now. That's maybe not ideal, but no matter what, he certainly seems to be getting some sort of tune out with Barkas. He does look a lot more confident in goal. And I know we have to take everything here with a bit of a pinch of salt, or not take it quite so so literal because it is just pre season. Um, but no matter what, it has been a decent start from both the guys and I'm really, really quite surprised by Ayeti actually. I know obviously he obviously came in as a, as a Premier League player but he hadn't really hit the ground running at West Ham like he was expected to. Um, I think there was quite a Quite a pedigree went to them with and he was maybe expected to do a little bit better than he had done so. But I think here he's got a little bit of confidence about him. I think he's just got a little bit of belief that, you know, I think I could actually score here. I think it was a few times last season, he just never he he could have just went that extra half yard just to try and you know, maybe with a miss, but it was just not that that belief and confidence in himself to go and attempt. But I think he's got that now, and there's a little bit, like I said, I'd, I'd say it a little bit of swagger. I am, um, and I'm more than happy to see because you need a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of oomph in yourself, and a little bit of belief to think, No, no, I can do this.
3: I just want to say, I think that was a great point, Amy, about him being one of the older members of the team now, because that is true. He's definitely tried on being given the armband the first game and being maybe an older head almost, because there's been such an influx of youngsters into the first team eh, the last couple of games. And if that is going to be his attitude going forward, that he wants to be the man to take responsibility, then I'm with you, I'm all for that.
2: Now, I put it down to maybe what what the manager's saying to players get trying to get the best out of them, and as you say, get, get a tune out of them. And even to the point where Olivia and Cham, who look to be heading out the door, has now declared that he wants to stay. So your eyebrows being raised there, Amy, as if, like, oh, no. But, again, if you're buying what the manager's selling and you can get a tune out of you, then that's all fine and well. Now, Olivia and Sham played 45 minutes on Saturday and didn't set the header alight and was rightfully copping some flat and some pelters from the guys in the studio. But, you know, Olivia and Sham really does need to pull the finger out and show the, show the fans something. He owes the fans something because... I think there's a player there lurking somewhere. But again, we've just we've only seen it in fits and you no. Know? It's a guy that clipped the ball into the net in the last minute in Rome. You know, he scored a winner in a Rangers game. There is you no know, flashes there, but just not consistent enough Russell. so you see him having a long term future or do you see him as being a fringe player, maybe playing back parts again?
3: Very hard to put your finger on that one because Right now, you're going to have supporters who feel that his race has run, that his attitude has not been of a level we would expect. We're obviously biased. We think the greatest thing in the world in your life would be to play for Celtic, you know? I and mean, when we see people not replicating that when they're getting paid 20 grand for the privilege, or whatever it is a week, you know what I mean? Just I've mean, just been thousands of pounds a week. I'm not saying what his actual wages is because I don't know. Um, but we find uh, things like that frustrating. Uh, I've got a concern that his rapport with the supporters has went so far the other way that one bad game, if it was, you know, say he was being reintegrated to the squad next season, and I just feel that he'll get slaughtered. And I just feel he would get a tighter time than what perhaps someone else would be if are having a, a same level of performance. The flip side is obviously, this is a guy we could have got a lot of money for at once upon a time. And now... It might be in our best interest to go, well, we got him to a level he was worth £12 million. If we can get him playing to that level again, is he in the final year of his contract? So two years from him? Sure. Um, if we can get him back up to that level, I'm not saying we'll be able to sell him for that again. But it'd be great to have him at least playing at a level that was getting interesting. Does that mean he'd be contributing in a Celtic shirt, which he's just not done for 18 months? Um, I agree with you. I don't think there is a player in there I do think like you could, could tell he's got great technique good vision he's got you know he's had big moments in a Celtic shirt but he's remained ice cool I don't know if that's because he doesn't care or no <laughs> I would just like to see Oli and Champ if he is going to play be given a fair crack of the whip and I just am not convinced that it's not past the point order no return on that one and we might just need to accept that we won't we we will watch him with skewed vision, do you know what I mean? As opposed to with a clean slate like Ange, perhaps, is willing to
2: do. Amy, a redemption shot from Sham, you raised your eyebrows and I, I was laughing at your kind of yeah. <laughs> reaction when I was talking about that. So, uh, was you saying he to 2022 uh, in Sham? So, another year. What's your thoughts, Amy? Can you see him recapturing? Some of his former glory are you a bit?
1: There's a player in there. There's no doubt about that. You know, um, I think in the initial glimpses when he first signed, however many years ago that was now, um, I think there was a few impressive performances. He slotted in well beside Brown. He played that a little bit of a deeper role, and I think we all thought, well, we're going to get some money for this guy, but. It's completely went pear-shaped. He's just been so hot and cold. and he's off the boil, he's really off the boil. And I appreciate he sometimes came in for a little bit more flack than he was doing. He was almost kind of the whipping boy. Um, I think he did quite quickly become that. But I, th- I think it was his attitude more than anything as well. It was a lot of negative passes. And I think the, the reason he became the whipping boy is because we all knew how much talent he had and what sort of expectation we all had of him. I think now, as Russell said, I think the rapport with the fans is done and dusted. You know, an attitude, I think, sinks. Um, and I think the only reason he's really going to be kicking around Celtic or saying that he wants to, you know, carry on or, or rejuvenate a career here is because nobody else wants him. There's not a club out there who wants him. You know, he really tried to force through the move, obviously, to Marseille. And Rivea's boss is like, no thanks. Obviously, I'm not saying Encham was the only determining factor there, because there was a lot of messy stuff at Marseille at the time, but it was the French straw that really brought the camels back, and um, like I say, no, nobody wants them. You're, you're not seeing any rumours right now about who wants Encham, and believe me, my God, there's Celtic are linked with every single player or Celtic players are linked with every single club right now. So if anybody wanted in Cham, it would be getting put in gossip columns or you know, somebody would would find a a rumor link somewhere, but there's nothing nobody is impressed by him because of his time at Celtic has been so on and off. And why do you want to sign a player who, you know, maybe 50% of the time will turn up, or maybe once every six months he'll get a big goal against Lazio or get a winner against Rangers? Yeah, they are fantastic moments and Nothing I'll, you know, the, the moment when we beat uh, Lazio was one of the greatest moments I've ever shared with my dad, but we can't just live off that past glory, you know. Yeah. It, it was a win. It was a fantastic win in Italy. And, of course, he, he played a massive part in that. But other than that, they like see, obviously, the Rangers win as well. I think it's, um, who, who were we talking about? So Tom Rogic, we were talking about all these good moments you know, and we all, we all remember like, the big, big moments and I know you do that with every player but at least with Rogic as well, there's a few more this is two goals that the, that Incham has scored for how many years he's been here now, is it three or four years? Um, the consistency is just not there from a guy in midfield when Celtic have had a very strong midfield he, he's just not cutting the bill
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I agree with that. I agree with
2: everything that you said there, to be fair. Uh, now, I'll come to you on this, Amy. Russell mentioned a figure there 12 million. Now, Brentford wanted to sign Christopher Ayer. £12 million up front, £3 million in add-ons rising to £15 million, and Celtic have incredibly knocked it back because they're holding out for a £15 million pound up front bid. Now, I don't know if that's a precursor for Brentford to come back in and meet Celtic's asking price, but I was staring incredulously at those figures, and I thought Celtic have missed, could be in danger of missing the boat here and missing the train. The man's in the final year of his contract. He previously stated that he had an agreement with Celtic that if the right money came in, he would want, they would let him go. And we've spoken about Ayer's value uh, a few times on the pod. I think £15 million was a great return for Ayer. I really do. Everybody knows my thoughts on Ayer as a player. And £12 million, £3 million on add-ons, Amy. I, I can't believe Celtic have knocked that back.
1: I'm going to say that. I'm, it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself. For starters, if you asked me a few months ago, I would have asked for more for hire. But I think the stage that we're at now and the biggest factor for me is Chris Hire has came out and said, you know, my Celtic my career is ultimately done. The club know our position. We've got this agreement basically in place. I would stay to try to deliver the 10, that's failed. So the player wants out. And I think the the underlying factor here is and the kind of theme that I think all of us across this show sort of share is that if a player doesn't want to be here there's no point in having them. You know, I don't want a player here who doesn't want to play for the club. That is a ridiculously good deal that Brentford have offered. Um... I think there'll be a few Celtic fans, perhaps even surprised that a Premier League club has even came in for Ayer. I think a few were thinking that it would have been top end championship for them. It's sheer greed from Celtic's point of view, you know. And I understand that they're they're maybe trying to hold out for this 15 million, whatever it may be. But I just feel it's sheer greed in the fact that Ayer has publicly came out and said, "I don't really want to be here now, and I want to pursue other options." We have almost like a gentleman's agreement. And, and I'm going to get, to get to go here because that's what was, was told to me last year. It seems sheer greed from Celtic and it's entered in the final deal. So does he run out his deal, get some more money from Celtic, but lose a year of his development at a crucial stage in his development and then leave for free? If you ask me or ask anybody, are you really wanting Chris I to leave for three for free, sorry, when we've had all these numbers sort of touted that there's, you know, somebody's been in for twenty million or whatever it may be, all this gossipy rubbish. But that is a fantastic deal that's been put on the table here. And I think it's a really, really poor cool piece of business from Celtic, yet again.
2: You're right, totally Amy as well. Russell, your thoughts on that? I mean, I concur with what Amy said. It's a staggering deal. And I can't understand why Celtic knocked it back.
3: I think on the face of it, if you said to me, would you take that, right? Say we didn't know that Celtic would reject it. And you just said, say I offered you £12 million for I with £3 million in add-ons, would you take it? I would say yes, right? But we need to kind of dig a wee bit deeper and go, well, Celtics, I appreciate I've m- maybe made some bad moves in the transfer window, but selling players quickly tends to be something that they do when they get offered money. We've only ever criticised Celtic from a selling perspective of not getting the value that we thought they wanted. You've got to wonder if they've got a, uh, you know, a further knowledge on this that there's other clubs stuffing about that maybe they've you know been linked with or whatever, and they think you no, know, we know thing well. If they come in for a bit, they've got the wealth to, to to match the 15 million fee. Why should we sell for 12 when I know in a few weeks we can get you know we can go for 15? There must be some sort of other side to this that Celtic have a wee bit of inside scoop on, whether it be agent talk, whatever it is. I don't know how these things all work. I feel that they must be rejecting that not just as a solitary, only club-interested sort of uh, transfer negotiation, because if that was the case, you would be really surprised at turning down that money. Like I say, if you just offered me that amount on the show today without mentioning the, the fact that it was Brentford involved, I read it on Twitter the other day. But if you just said it off the cuff, say last Monday, right before the story broke, I would have took the offer, yes. I would have said yes, I would sell them for that. I think that's a good deal. But we need to... We need to wonder why Celtic aren't. There has to be more to it than what we know of right now. And I've got a feeling that they know they can get more from And that's why they're insisting on getting more from As opposed yeah. to taking a punt on for the sake of 12 million and 3 million in add ons to 15 million up front. It doesn't sound like there's much gain in that unless they know they're actually going to get it.
2: That may well be the case, Russell, but Newcastle and Norwich have walked away. They've bumped mm-hmm. at those figures and, and walked away from. I suppose you do. Again, that's, that's the intelligence that you're getting. That's what you're hearing. As you say, it could be paper talk. But yeah. we'll, we'll see what transpires. But I'm I'm like Amy. I, I just think keeping an unhappy player or an unsettled player whose head is out the door, and to quote J.P. Mason, then his feet should follow. You know, I just think it's turning into a saga and you don't want them hanging about, you know, lingering about with that kind of attitude. It could just I just think it might be bad for team morale. No moving yeah. forward. So that that's just that's just the way I see it. But along the strap line, you see, should the lack of backroom and player changes be a concern for and Costa problem now we'll go to the the latter first. Player changes. Amy, an exception of Zazu No players have came in. No players have gone out. We are eight days, as Russell said, he didn't want to contemplate it, but it's eight days. That's the reality. Now, any players coming in, in any position, that doesn't give you a lot of time to work with them on the training pitch to get any kind of formation or team shape for the Michelin game. And now you're you're staring down a barrel of a gun with this European tie. It is coming at you fast. It doesn't look like there's going to be anybody new coming in. I mean, that's pretty disappointing, is it not? It's a concern for fans, and I, I can only assume it must be a huge concern for the manager.
1: It's definitely a concern for fans. It's a concern for me. It's um, I understand, you know, I think um, I've been speaking to a few people about it, and they're like, you know, but there's still eight weeks left of the transfer window, not eight days sort of thing. But we needed players in for, for eight days, you know. How long have, and how often have we said, you know, it's Celtic's almost 40 that pretty much start Europe, get knocked out of Europe then we'll start to sign players at the tail end of that you know, window or get knocked out of the Champions League into Europa League. We don't get the players in in time. There's How many times have we said we just wish we had them in before that game, just wish we had him in before that game? We knew what position we were in um, probably for longer than we ever have before because obviously losing the league it came to the realisation that just how poor our, our squad really not even just the, the starting 11, the squad really was. So we've been talking about players, I think probably since about February we've been talking about players who we need to be bringing in in second one, right
2: 1989, Eddie, one who's uh, emailed into the programme and thanks for all your emails and Twitter suggestions and YouTube comments, he said right, what do you think of this? Right back, a goalkeeper two centre backs and a left back needed Asat, so what's that? One two, three, he thinks we need five players What's your thoughts on that, Amy? Five players are right back as two centre backs, a goalkeeper, a left back.
1: Probably need a left mid as well. Um, and <laughs> and there, <rams> <laughs> there's potential that we'll probably need an, or I certainly would want an, another striker. Right. Um, so I think there's a few more than than just that. As it's concerning, it's really worrying because what we're we're really going to be starting. Well, I'd assume next week with this, the kind of team that we'd had last season. Um, and by by that, I even mean like, I, I don't see us bleeding on a lot of youth into it because I, I just, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't have that sort of confidence. I, I really don't. So I, it just feels like this rebuild is, is, it's almost still on hold. I understand the manager's in, um, the background staff's not really in. There's still not even an announcement of who the club captain is. So it's, it's tough. I don't feel that we've really got behind this new rebuild yet, or it started, obviously, McKay's came in as well. But it's not, I think, what we all wanted because, well, it's what we needed. Um, I feel we're a bit stop-start, kind of like in Cham's career at Celtic. So it's just a bit messy. And, yeah, I, I'm definitely concerned.
2: Uh, Russell, Ryan McGinley comes in. If Griffiths gets five or six chances in, and Sham deserves another. We've been in this movie before with regards to players before Champions League qualifiers, haven't we? You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I was making the point, the new boss, same as the old boss, wasn't having a go at answer. I was talking about those at the top. They yeah. just seem to learn that Celtic, and if you rightfully said you've championed the fact, we've been lucky to get a, a chance at this Champions League qualifier. Very Preparation is everything, but again, Celtic are leaving it to chance again, do you think? They're waiting to see if they can get through this tie to see, and maybe have players on the back burner. But the lack of activity, as you have to say it's it's a concern, and it must be a concern for the manager. I don't care what anybody
3: says. Totally. I mean, we spoke honestly about free hit in Europe, and whether it was a free hit, whether we could take it as a free hit, and a lot of people reacted, you know, poorly to that. They didn't like the idea of it being a free. Hit. Looks to me, Celtic are treating it as a free hit. If we go into that, if we go into those Michelin games, you know, either of the start 11s we've started in our last two pre-season friendlies, then we are doing it on a, you know, a hope and a prayer or whatever they saying is. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, I don't understand how. The funniest thing about it all for me, right, is it seems to be when we are getting linked with players, they were already on this list. If that's the case, then why are we not getting business done quicker? I would totally, like the only way I could understand this is if Angie's got his own list. And he's saying, right, so we need to then get them scouted, talk about whether you get much bang for their buck with them, etc. And that's what the delay's been. If we're still using previous lists lying about the draws that Peter Lowell doesn't look at, then what is, you know, what is going on? And do we really feel we don't need to strengthen? Are we in a complete flat pair whilst... And just seen a lot in the players there that perhaps he's not seen before. Uh, that, that he didn't he didn't know was going to be there. I don't understand it. I I can't believe that this will be a first team a first team ready player signed you. I kind of subscribe to what Jim Orr says. I do think, and I know it sounds really simple to him, but I just think we're going to war this year. To be honest with you, I think it's you're going against a seasoned Rangers team now. You're going against a team that's real. Mm-hmm. You know, flowing with confidence right now, have a manager and a team all on side that are only going to add wee bits to the squad as opposed to be worrying about, you know, And any player that goes will be on their terms. I, I think we need to get players that are going to be first team ready and a bit savvy. Battle hardened, as Jim calls it. And I'm, I'm, I'm astounded, absolutely astounded that we've not signed one player yet that's, that could come into that first team. That By the looks of it, if they do join, again, the quarantine thing, I'm still a bit perplexed by. I've seen some tweets saying they don't need to because they're elite sportsmen. That wasn't my understanding, but I am wrong with the time. Um, but with eight days to go, what sort of time is that to integrate into a new first team and go here? By the way, it's Champions League on Tuesday. Wow.
2: Yeah. Charles Sweeney comes in, Amy, and says, Give players a chance under a new manager. Could be transformational. Look at a jetty already. Yes. Thank you for that, Charles. He comes in on YouTube. Would you think it that? Do you think Charles was getting to the point as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I still think, and, and it's what I was kind of going back to, just just what I said there, it's not the fact that last year's team was weak. The squad looked weak, you know. Um, we weren't really able to call upon anybody else. And we were sticking to that same sort of 11 to 15 pool of players. Um I, I think it's frightening that we've not signed to anybody yet and I still think it's quite, I'm probably still just in quite a state of disbelief. Um and I can't really, yeah, shock, exactly. I can't really fathom why, you know, I, there's that, obviously, there's the chance that we're trying to give the players that we have here a little bit of time and you know, all patience is a virtue and all of this malarkey but I'm not buying it now. Um, it's eight days. Still is-
2: can not buying it either, Then are buying any it's crazy. Russell, we'll throw some names at you here, right? Just talking the defenders, right now. Right. Carol Starfelt, four million from Ruben Kazan. Uh, Brandon Shope, four million French nineteen-year-old from Rennes. Cameron Carter-Vickers from Tottenham, Ben Davis, Liverpool, and Mario vuskovic all or nearly all, well, all of them, been linked with moves to Celtic. Some for big money, four and five million at a time. But everybody knows now that Celtic are in the mix. You know, why can't Celtic conclude a deal? And if it's one thing club over the other side of the city do, they seem to be linked with a player in the day later he signs. They seem to be able to get deals over the line very, very quickly. Now that's five players. You would take any one of those five players, yet none of them have came in. Yet the links seem to be really strong. There seems to be ongoing. So all talks are ongoing. You know, it's just it's it's. There seems to be a, an Achilles heel with Celtic to, to conclude a deal for anybody at this moment in time or this recent history.
3: It's been an ongoing thing for a long time. It's frustrated fans. I, I remember, you know, when it was Finn Bogus, and I think who played for Kieran we Know those years ago and. He was meant to be the golden ticket to the Champions League and we couldn't get that over the line and he was he was a proven goal scorer, etc which is what we needed at the time. And since then you have seen a pattern of it to I don't think there's any getting away from it. We're not being overly harsh on you know, Celtic, all the players that are currently there. We as football supporters, right, have it ingrained in us that come the summer, your favorite team signs players. Every <laughs> club supporters across the country feels that way. It's part of the excitement of there being no league football is, well, the great thing about when there's a uh, pre-season is who we're bringing in. Um, we seem to be consistently bringing in players once the season's began, as Amy says, um, when it's too late for the Champions League. And it still rankles to me. Do we get the Champions League? The Celtic understand when they've been at their strongest is when they're entering the Champions League. I've seen so many supporters go, oh, we we'll just get cuffed in there, though. TP, you, you compete in the Champions League year on year those cuffins start becoming fewer and further between because you're bridging that disparity financially by continually qualifying. You're enhancing your squad because you've got more money to spend if you can actually get a deal over the line. But I always look back, the beauty of that Brendan Rodgers era, right, Celtic invested in a manager that cost £9, uh, that cost £9 million to prize away from us alone, that in terms of his contract was the highest paid manager in the history, that was paid for all by the Champions League football, And he only made the Champions League two out in three years, not even every year. We turned over over a million pounds two years in a row.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: That is when the club was going places. That is what... I just can't believe we get this golden ticket. I've just used that term twice now. But we've got that golden ticket for the Champions League by finishing second, which we should never have got in the last 10 years. You wouldn't have got. We have our worst season ever. Still get an opportunity to make it. And there's no first team player brought in. That to me is just like, I just wonder, we talk about the players get it at Celtic. That's the terminology we use, Tony, right? Do Celtic get it when it comes to the Champions League? I'm not convinced, though. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I'll quote talking heads for the millionth time. <laughs> same as it ever was. Same <laughs> as it ever was. That's how it feels, man.
2: Before people jump in your back, I'm sure you meant to say a hundred million turned over, yeah.
3: Oh, what did I say?
2: A million. <laughs> That's the bill. What kind of club's that, Amy? I <laughs> over a million a year.
3: Yes. I mean, that's not that's a million. Money not <laughs> a rose esque, is it not, Amy? You <laughs> start, I mean. yeah. by a hundred million, is what I was trying to say. you so. Yeah.
2: But, I mean, as well as when we're talking about the players and the and the young guys and, and giving people a crack, there has been some players that have shown up well. You know, Karamoko looked decent. Yeah. You know, and We've called for Karamoko to be released on everybody, Amy, for a long, long time. This could be his season and his chance to shine. You know, with a manager who likes to play with wide players and actively encourages that kind of thing. So I, I'm, I'm of the opinion, OK, if that's what you're going to do, then you have to play the players that the supporters want to see. And Karamoko certainly one of them, isn't it? That and as well
1: as if we want to keep a hold of him we're going to have to them. him you know he's getting you know, was he it, was it, was it 13 or something like that when he was first named on the bench it was, it was crazy you know um, so he's been well in the um, you know the, the shop window really and everyone's had an eye on him for a long time we've done that, it's like that. I did this video Remember, like the future stars thing or whatever it was a few years ago so if we um, if we don't play him you know he's going to start wanting first team football and you'll see other guys his age now as well like Right, well, I was touted for bigger and better things. Far, I mean, I was far, far younger, so it is about time that it is his time. He needs to get get onto that pitch and show what he can do. if it be for Celtic or if it be you know t- to get a move away because I wouldn't even I, I don't think I'd even begrudge him if he did try get a move away this window. I think Celtic definitely really, um you know you, you have this young guy and you're so proud and promote this young ridiculous talent who's the next X Y and Z but never really never really showcase it, never really use it. As you see how many times is and I know supporters and we may think we could be the best manager in the world but we're not for a reason but it's just like wow this looks like a game destined for Dembele if we even be just needing a goal if can beat and then it's completely other ends of the spectrum so what if you're you know, four or five up why are you not bringing them on giving them 20 minutes to just have a run at it I'm um, and I do think he's been pretty mismanaged at Celtic, so I wouldn't blame him if he tried to you know, maybe get some game time during pre-season and, and force a deal out. But I would be much more glad, of course, that if he used this game time to try and push for a, a move into that first team. Well,
2: so I look at Karamoko Dembele, the likes of Owen Moffat, Mikey Johnson came on as well eh, the other day, Saturday there. and eh, But another one that showed up well was Liam Shaw. You know, he's He's done really well in the preseason friends that we've seen so far. So, you know, how many of them do you, would you expect to start next Tuesday? I think all of them will get a chance to start next Tuesday due to a lack of bodies.
3: I find it interesting. I think it's an interesting point. I, I mean, I feel like with the likes of Liam Shaw, if they were signed anything from twelve months before Tony, they would strictly have been. Uh, you know, operation project. Do you know what I mean? That You know what mean? But I was kind of feeling that that, that policy was kind of, I don't know if it was always proven particularly successful or whether you were stunting maybe the development of some players that you were bringing in. You know, like Toluca Connell is one that really strikes to you. He's came in, having played, I think it was 17 games in the championship for Bolton, really impressed in their fans. I read other forums and they were losing them. They weren't happy they were losing them. And he's found himself 18 months after joining Celtic playing for Queen's Park in League Two. No disrespect to Queen's Park at all, but the level they're playing at is not EPL Championship standard. So what has he done? Where has his career went in that sort of 24-month period? Probably not developed like we would have have hoped. Would it have developed more if he was in in and around the first team more often? Of course, you've got competition for places if you're bringing first-team-ready players. And at the same time, it's difficult to balance it. It would be more refreshing to see someone like Shaw actually getting a crack, you know, when, you know, when we're bringing these guys in and not hearing about them leaving out the back door in two, three years' time, do you know what I mean? Have we never really seen them in the first team? I don't think as a Celtic supporters want to have that over us either. We've had players that we have kind of hindered their, hindered their development, do you know what I mean? That's not what we're all about. Hopefully the Colts team will help with that, of course, as well. But there's a worry for me that there's, there's a guy on Twitter called Joe Morgan. I do like him, right? But he's got this awful habit of any tweet I post just saying it will be Kennedy. That's what he kept posting before the manager was appointed. And what he's now saying is there is an operation of downsizing going on right in front of your very eyes and you're just not, you're not seeing it. Now, whilst I've had good tip or tap with him on it, there is a bit of me that worries, right? Because I go, well, if two guys signed from a relegated Sheffield Wednesday that has only made maybe... I don't know how many appearances between them. You'd think under 30, under 40 appearances each. You know, if they're coming in to then be your team to tackle, which is a strong competition across the other side of the city, if this is your signings to take on Champions League qualifiers, perhaps even competing in the Champions League, if you even thought of making that qualification step, that would be quite surprising to think they would be seen as being at that level. But now they're here... I want to give them every chance, Tony, in the, in, in the first team that we can because I'd like to see what they can do. But on, the, on paper, you would obviously be going, wow, two free, free transfers from a relegated chef on Wednesday when you're contrasting and comparing what the challenges ahead this season and what's at stake with the 40 million jackpot we've spoken about so many times. You would have to say that is kind of does look like downsizing on the face of it. So there's a big... A big eight weeks of the transfer window left. I would just like to see a lot more work done in the next eight days to hopefully complement the likes of the show. Well, Marty
2: Boy comes in on YouTube comments. Amy, at this rate, I'm concerned we might be competing for second or third place.
3: you <laughs> <laughs> Into... so not a good job today, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? we're not doing a good job today well, last, week, last well, week everyone loved the positivity train, now we've got people fearing we're
2: going to finish well, not much it's, it's not positive it's, uh, we're couching this in fact oh, right? that, oh, the reality uh, we would love nothing better to be and see say things like See be- Ben Davis arrived tomorrow you would feel a bit better about the defence yeah. if you felt arrived tomorrow you would feel better about the defence you know, you you would say okay things are beginning to move
3: but,
2: but they've no. But <laughs> not, Amy. I mean, I'd, I'd back to it. Nobody out, nobody in, Back from, as Russell says, two Sheffield Wednesday players who were relegated last season. And you do have this niggling suspicion at the back of your mind that nothing's going to change. You you he, might have to work with what he's got. And that strikes panic and alarm into you, does it not?
1: It is. It's. Um... You know, Simon's just off. Well, first of all, it looks like it's movement, then, isn't it? You know, and everybody, everybody really has been calling for so much change needed, and this is what I'm trying to say that the rebuild just doesn't seem like it's really kicked off yet. Because if you're bringing players in or letting players go, it just it looks like well, right? The club are at least a little bit of aware of the situation we're kind of in. Mm-hmm. But right now, it just is it's stale, um, and that's what I'm kind of saying that it's just everything's still just we're so attached to last season the season that we all want to detach from so so very quickly. It's really tough to, you know, try and remain optimistic, look forward to a Champions League qualifier next week, which as Russell said, we really should be, because my God, we're so lucky to even be in that position. But you're just having to dwell on that, you know, maybe six, seven players are probably going to be those who were part of the the disaster that that um that occurred last season. It's just it's infuriating um, and like I say I, I just feel it's very stale um, and it's just you're just so eager for something just a, a body in a body out just a little bit of movement um, just to see like right the ball's rolling and, and we're really going to try and put up a better fight than last year
2: it's a bit deflating and I'm beginning to kind of sway with Russell's to do, do, do the board to actually get it you know we've had enough pops at the board, but you know they you just year upon year upon year, Celtic are ill prepared for qualifiers. They don't bring the right personnel in. They lose to clubs that you think, you know, they shouldn't. You no, know, William Armstrong comes in on YouTube. There is no panic. We need to look at the fact we have treble winners that were working well under a good manager in Rodgers. Lennon failed the club and the players lost faith. We have the talent. Well, that's a, a fairly positive spin from William there. Um, I'm not denying that we've got the talent, but you need to improve on that talent year upon year you know, and constantly evolve as a football club, Russell. You know, Joey. you nut talent and then you bring in players that will improve that talent. That's how football clubs tend to work, I think, exactly. in my, my humble
3: opinion. You're right. There was a phrase you made at the time, and I think it's when we still thought Eddie Howe was going to get the job. There you go for Eddie Howe. Bingo, by the way. Um <laughs> And you said, what you do is you lay down a marker. Now, I feel, which post the glue. if you're the other side of the city, you're going, well, no one's really heard of him. They're not, they're not feeling the fear at all. I would love to have seen him be able to lay down a marker and get a signing in that goes, boom, we mean business. Football's more simple than people think. Sometimes just that psychology of, wow, well, they're back in business. Whoever that player may be, by the way, I'm not championing anyone in particular. Hopefully it be someone Ange wants, first and foremost. Um, but I think we could have done that. Lay down a marker, force them into a move, put doubt in the minds of the team that, unfortunately, are on top in the battle right now and will be feeling very cushy right now that they will retain said title on their place at the top of Scottish football next year based on what they've seen so far. I would like us to do things like you said, Tony. Lay a marker. It sounds so straightforward, so simple, The see, with Martin O'Neill, for example, and I don't think, I think you were saying he's not signed up, he hadn't signed a player by this point either when he took over Celtic, not that he had a Champions League qualifier looming. But he laid down a marker by signing Chris Sutton, who'd won an English Premier League title and was coming out in peak years. I appreciate that is not, we're not going to get someone of that ilk right now. I would like to see someone come in that is an international player, first team ready, that's a bit of a coup. You know, someone Batman, that you go... Battle-hardened to lay down that. Battle-hardened. And someone that, makes, someone that makes Scottish football's eyebrows raise a wee bit and go, oh, wow, I'm amazed they managed to attract him. Something like that would be a good start and it would just be... Because we know we're going to go into it. I mean, Ange hasn't been able to parade anyone yet, you know, and go, this is now my future, you know, yeah. standing next to someone just to give you that wee sort of feel-good factor. And I know that sounds like, oh, you're oversimplifying things. I I don't think it is oversimplifying. I actually think sometimes we overcomplicate things at Celtic. And I just want to quickly say, you know, obviously the, the ticker says about the backroom staff, that has really surprised me he's not brought in any backroom staff either, although I know when used use the Martin O'Neill example, there are other, there is form for that in the past, apparently.
2: I'll cut and some slack on that in the sense that he said he would assess everything moving forward we check 25 YouTube commenter <laughs> Russell's gone some buses to Never. but Amy there's merit in what Russell's saying there in terms of you want Ange to be standing beside his first signing because that's the first sign of him putting his stamp on this football team and you want that first one to be like a blockbuster in Celtic terms but maybe someone in the 4 or 5 million range whoever that may be but it would be that marker you say okay Right, that's the ball rolling. Let's see more of that.
1: Absolutely, and you want it to be. I know we're saying, obviously, you want it post the first signing to obviously be his, but you want it to be somebody that's not been linked to Celtic before. I wouldn't want it to be a, you know, a Ben Davies, or I think we've actually we've definitely been linked to, to Cameron Carter Vickers before as well. But you want it to be his man, his signing, you know, and just like you say, it's a bit of intent. And just getting his stamp on, on his side showing that he's the man in charge here. Um because it's just we we can see obviously his style and obviously we touched on it a few weeks ago, we really enjoyed the, the mic'd up session. Um and obviously now he's getting the, the bounce games under his belt. But it's time he got to, you know really, like you say, make his mark, put his foot down. He's not got the backroom staff, it's still the the, the staff he's inherited, so it's about time that he, he gets his mark, and like I say, it's really to get the rebuild underway, because I still don't believe that it has.
2: Russell, I mean, the previous comment I was talking about, the positivity with the talent we have, and we're, we're not disputing that, and well, not, it's not negative per se, but we're just going to there is a concern there about the kind of a lack of activity, really. And we've got eight days and we're playing a Champions League qualifier. I, I'll stress that again. because you see it at the top? It's a Champions League qualifier, and you just there's the same old, same old feeling about it, isn't there? There's that feeling of yeah. you know knots in the stomach, you know, and thinking what well, ill prepared again. And the thing is, we've had previous seasons to learn. You know, get your act together and you know, my after 25 comes in, Shaw straight in as number six for a run of 12 games to add physicality. I'm, I'm not disputing anything like that because that might be what has to happen because nobody does come in. But it's, you know, it's, I use the word deflating, you know, it's, a lot of the Celtic supporters bought their season tickets hoping that they were going to fund some spending revolution for want of a better word. But to not have spent any money with eight days to go before the Michelin game is no. It's pretty disappointing.
3: Uh, no, it just doesn't add up. Tony, you're absolutely right. With regards to what Williams saying as well, the only sort of pushback I would do is William. I agree with, with his his intention of that. You know, his idea that there is still a lot of talent in the squad, but as we've discussed, the treble treble. When I was like Chris in Incham, they want to go right, so they're not going to be there, and there's no team in the world. That finishes 25 points behind their nearest rivals in the league that doesn't need help and first team help, regardless of what they've won before. They they need help, they need assistance in that first 11. Um, and if it's going to be sure, like my saying in the physicality role, as I say, I'm all for it. Like, I want players to get a chance once they've joined. All I'm saying is, you can't deny when you look at it on the face of it as going, wow, has that really ticked the box for the competitions we're about to be entering, what well, his previous said, but that is not me judging him as a player, by the way. I just mean, on the face of it, you would think we'd be trying to shop at a higher, you know, more Marks and Spencers, you know what I mean? And, you know, the, to me, English League One players, I mean, is, I don't know, you know, I don't want to be careful, because like, then we'll be talking about Ivan Tony again, but I just think that, <laughs> that I would like to have thought for Champions League and to try and win back a title you're so far behind in last season you were going to need a wee bit more than just a couple of Sheffield Wednesday players no disrespect to them in the slightest because it's just not you know that's not what I'm, that's not what my point is
2: Amy how many players did you think we would have signed by now did you think there would be a bit of a drastic overhaul or we're hoping there would be a drastic overhaul but certainly more than this came in the door
1: I think it's four or five by now Um I think that's a pretty realistic number um, how many weeks has Ange been here is it two weeks now, three weeks yeah, has it been up here, three um, yeah I would have had four or five in by now or I'd have liked to have thought that we would have I definitely thought we'd have five by next week um, <laughs> by our first game, I, I really did I thought we'd have had you know a base um, of Ange's players um, and I, and I think many fans actually would have you know because again this date's been in our head for a while. We've known for longer than ever before that the areas of weakness, the the spine of the team, really needs to be refound. Um, and it's just it is it's it's rather soul destroying that we still find ourselves in this position that we are basically a week away. You know, and we can try and. Remain as optimistic as you like, but you're not gonna. No matter who you bring in these next eight days, you're not gonna be able to bed them in enough time to be ready to to go and represent Celtic in a Champions League qualifier. It's just not really reasonable or, or favorable So it's a mess, um, and it's it's rather worrying. And I I don't understand how anybody could try and you know push that patience as a virtue sort of boat because this is uh, this is a little bit worrying.
2: I was trying to not use words like so destroy me anyway, because that was kind of. Negative Graves kind of dispirited and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's some kind of positive slantish on it, but I mean, soul-destroying pfft, kind of covers it there, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I, I think Celtic supporters will, will feel let down, but they'll, they'll feel a bit, you know, they'll feel as Amy said, they, they expected a bit more from Ange coming in. You know, they had the feel-good factor of Ange coming in, and the, the new slate and all that, and they thought things were going to happen, and the kind of inactivity, just it's it's baffling more than anything else, Russell. And you can't fathom it out, as Amy said. What, what, why is no one from the club coming out there and saying, Look, Andrew's going to have to go with what he has and tell us these things, you know, rather than just let it the clock tick down to another major European game without anything much happening, and even if they do. Thing, four or five in the next few days, it leaves them little time. Well, would they be able to play? You know, or would They're, they be ready to play? You know? Could you set them up in any kind of shape or formation to play? That time
3: is just beating them. All ends up. Which is ironic, because you know, Neil Lennon left that long ago. It's actually quite incredible. We've had more time this time than ever. And it has been disaster yeah. after disaster. Off the pitch, um, as much as it was on the pitch last season, it's it's came back to bite them yet again. Um, although I do, you know, there's two sides to it. you. Want to, you look at Don McCain the way he comes out; he's very self-assured. You can feel, you get the vibe of him there is a plan, right? You can't help but feel there is a plan. But obviously, the evidence you're seeing so far makes you more worried about what this plan actually is, because you would like to have thought the plan would be. I would have thought new era. New CEO, new manager, boom. New, you know, not a new first eleven, but new, new energy. New players come with that. Big, you know, not big, you know, Hollywood names, but players of repute that might, you know, make people raise eyebrows. Get fans buying in even more than what they have. Um, and again, if you don't want like that angle towards it, let's just look at it from a footballing point of view, like you did, Tony. Eight days to a Champions League game. How do you bed that amount of players in with such a short space of time now? You can't. Why haven't you brought in players before now? uh, What do we know about the quarantine rules? As I say, I'm a wee bit confused by that now and what the bedding process is. I'm not quite sure when the deadline is to register players either. Is that already passed? And you can maybe just do two more now after the deadline. All these questions, right, have been questions that have been prevalent for weeks months, however long you want to describe it. Why are we now still talking about them this short? I didn't expect the first team to be finished, by the way, are completely ready. Uh, by no means, we all know it was a big um, a big job on their hands, but I just would like to see the Champions League getting treated with a wee bit more respect. That's my takeaway from today's show. I think that, you know, with eight days to go, are we? do we get it with the Champions League? And I'm just not quite sure we do.
2: You were expected, I mean, Amy said five. I would have expected five, but at least two or three, Amy said, yeah. you know, new faces, you know, of, of repute, as Russell said. But, you know, I, I, I was feeling okay to use the word soul destroyed, you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm trying to smile my way through the tears here, and no doubt people will be, oh, you're very really negative <laughs> again. But again, we'll go back to it, it's the reality that's staring us down the face. Next Tuesday, we will go into. A European Champions League tie can't under the nature of the competition. Getting back to Russell, we have to, at one point the penny has to drop, we have to start getting it and treating this competition with the reverence it deserves, as he says. We have to. I don't know when that'll be, maybe it's in plans moving forward, but it certainly looks as if it's going to be too late for this season.
1: Absolutely. And I think I came under a little bit of heat at the time because everyone was kind of going, oh, you know, Champions League is a free hit and whatever. But I was off the mindset, no, you know, we've got to go for this. Um, And I think obviously now that's not really realistic. Um, I don't really see that happening. Obviously, I, I still want it to and I'm going to be clinging on to that. But it is, it just seems like, you know, we're just not getting it again. Um, To be honest, we are miles off being anywhere near a Champions League club. Um, I think we'll be like that for a few seasons, to be honest. And we are certainly not made any great strides yet or look to be making any great strides to really improve that way. So we are, at best, a Europa League side. Um, And I know that's a really hard pill for some people to swallow. But, you know, you look at the state of play, it's it's evident. We are... Really, quite deteriorating on the European front, and the big boys are getting better and better and further and further away. Um, it's it's a tough one. It really, really is, um, and it's just it's disheartening. You, you can try and you know really push that you know Celtic has to be a club of European football, but we're not treating it that way. It's almost that the board and or the club have really accepted, you know, we're not a Champions League club, you know, that mindset I was just talking about there. It's like they've came to the realisation as well, so they're not putting all their real energy and enthusiasm into it. But if you ask, you know, that's that's the lucrative bit of signing a player, you know, the European football, the Champions League football, Europa League football, whatever it may be, there's going to be a massive gulf, I would imagine, in a player wanting to play in the Conference League or, or the Europa League, you know? Um, and, the, and I'd say it's probably the same similar gulf than what Europa League to the Champions League would be. Um, and to be honest, yeah. it could even be greater. So it's tough. Um, and the fact that we're not getting the players in and then we're not really pushing the Champions League or Europa League, whatever it may be, I just feel we're limiting ourselves even further to who then we can bring in because we don't have that European football pool. Um and I think the fact that there's there is now this new conference league and there's so many clubs and you know, clubs that you would never actually have even expected to be in Europa League before, they are now making it so there's it's not the big pull of a European giant, because we're not.
2: William Armstrong comes in again, Russell, and he says, And just kept Kennedy and Strachan for an insight into an unfamiliar environment. He'll bring his own backing staff when he's a guest for a club. I might be wrong, but I'm expectant of that. I think a lot of the Celtic supporters were expecting of signings in the in the close season, Amy says there, Champions League club, we may not be, that's a sad state of affairs. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, that's where the points make, the prizes, the prizes are in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. That's where the money is. I mean, I, I can't understand the thinking behind, you know, what Celtic are doing and not, as you say, tooling up, gearing up, getting yep. back, hardened for a Champions League campaign when there is a litany of Champions League qualification failures that they can look back on and say, well, these were the reasons. Let's avoid that. But it seems to be that there's no lessons being learned from the failures of the past. And that's what's, that's what's sad about it. The clock ticks down eight days. In land, all three of our faces are like, please <laughs> <freeze> frame. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, But this has been a, a Celtic state of mind. The Monday club. Thank you, Russell. Thank you, Amy.
1: Thank you.